Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Monday, April 3rd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The NCAA men's basketball final is tonight, and it's the championship game we all had in mind when the tournament began, right? Connecticut versus San Diego State. Uh, just kidding. The fourth-seeded Huskies meet the fifth-seeded Aztecs. UConn's looking to win its fifth national title. This is San Diego State's first trip to the Final Four. They provide contrasting styles and paths to the final. Connecticut seems more of a complete team, and it's been running roughshod through the bracket. The 13-point victory over Miami in in Saturday's semifinal was the Huskies' lowest winning margin of the tournament. They're beating teams by an average of 20 points. San Diego State has mastered the art of survival. The Aztecs beat Creighton by one to reach the Final Four and then needed this against Florida Atlantic to get to the title game. Yes, the Butler did it. A buzzer beater by Lamont Butler sent San Diego State into the championship game. As for the game, I think San Diego State will need to keep the scoring down and make Connecticut labor on the offensive end. That's easier said than done. UConn comes at you from many different directions. There's a good reason why they're a 7.5-point favorite to win tonight. On today's show, you'll hear from both coaches, Connecticut's Dan Hurley and San Diego State's Brian Dutcher, from their Sunday press conferences. Also, the next Naismith Hall of Fame class was introduced at the Final Four, and you'll hear from two of its newest members, Gene Bess and Gene Cady. Bess was the longtime coach at Three Rivers Community College in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and his 1,300 career victories are the most by anyone who has coached college basketball. Gene Cady is a longtime coach at Purdue and is a Kansas native and K-State graduate. I got to ask him how someone who grew up as a better football player transitioned to basketball. Okay, let's get started. Dan, when you were coming up as a kid and also as while you were at Seton Hall, what was sort of your impression of UConn as a program and and sort of what they represented? Well, initially when I was uh, really on the way up, I... uh, up until Tate George committed there, I didn't know anything about UConn. Um, with, with all, you know, with uh, with all due respect, when you were watching those like early Big East games, it was it was Pearl, it was Georgetown, it was it was St. John's. You know, Seton Hall was still, you know, PJ still hadn't gotten it. You know, eventually where he would get it. Um, so really, not much. Um, and then boom, it was like, uh, you know, then Chris Smith, you know, commits and, and um, you know, before you know it, I'm, I'm watching Bob play them in, in Sweet 16s at the Meadowlands or, or Elite Eight games. And uh, uh, and now all of a sudden they're like, you know, the, you know, the elite program in the Northeast and, and one of the best programs in the country. But, you know, up until Tate George, I'd be honest with you, I, I didn't even know they were in the Big East. Yeah. Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. Danny, another flashback question, sorry, but I covered the game in 92, Sweet 16, when you and Bobby guarded each other. Bobby was super uncomfortable. How was that for you, and what was the family dynamics going into that game? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, back then you didn't really play on, um, 
you know, obviously the, the, the media, that type of attention, especially when you're like a backup guard playing 10 minutes a game, you're not used to, you know, it's the first time you meet Leslie Visser. You're like, <laughs> you know, and like, uh, wow, like why is she talking to like, <laughs> you know, she thought she should be talking to Terry DeHair. Um, I just remember just the nerves and the anxiety um, just because of the media buildup, the, the Hurley Brothers, City of Brotherly Love. Um, I wasn't exactly on top of my game at that point in my career, too, and I was going against like my brother and Christian Leitner and Grand Hill. So, uh, yeah, I knew I was in trouble, and um, I was a nervous wreck, and um, I was relieved, to be honest with you. I played as hard as I could, but I was relieved uh, in, a, in a big way when it was over. On the left side of the aisle. Hey, Coach Daniel Marco, USBWA. Um, since UConn's first championship win in 99, you guys have more titles than any other program and now tied with North Carolina for most title game appearances. Can you just talk a little bit about uh, where you guys' program just fits in with those kind of more upper echelon teams? Yeah, I think um, you know, we have the fan base. You know, we have the, obviously a, a, a huge fan base. Uh, that travels and has a huge social media presence and, and the, the state and the university obviously supports um, you know the program in, in, in the best possible way in terms of resources um, obviously you know Gino and coach Calhoun you know created this brand uh, that makes it very appealing because of the history and tradition um, you know but it really in the end it's like you know what type of coaching staff can you bring in? Uh, to a university that's going to attract the type of players that can help you win big. You could have the greatest brand in the world if you if you don't have like head coaches and, and the great staff that I have with Kamani, Luke, Tom. You know, just a great brand isn't enough. It's got to you know it's got to attract the right type of people, or it's just a place that you know is not guaranteed anything, especially in today's game. Moving toward the right side of front, Zach. Zach Brazil in your post. Danny, how, how close were you guys to not getting Adama? And then <laughs> the second part, um, what has he meant? Just you talked about the build. What has he meant to where you guys are now? Yeah, we were really close. And, um, you know, that, that was me and Kamani on that one. And Kamani usually is, like, trying to keep me, you know, keep my head in the game and not panic or – but Kamani was melting down because he looked like he was not going to come to us. And I think Adama began to kind of tell us it was going that way. But so I had to convince Kamani, like, hey, we're good. He's a reasonable guy. He's not going to ruin his life and make a bad decision. He's very smart. He's going to pick us. So, but it was, it, yeah, I can't imagine that. I'd be in trouble right now. What's that? I don't want to do that to these other schools and tell them how close they were. Yeah. We'll go to Chris then in the center of the room. We'll come back to you, Zach. <laughs> Lost the microphone, Zach. <laughs> Chris Bennett with ESPN. You have the poster-sized cardboard cutout of the trophies. Uh, what spurred that? Just back at, at Rhode Island when, um, w when we hadn't, uh, won an Atlantic 10 championship since Lamar Odom had played there. I don't know how long that stretch was, if it was 15, 16, 17 years. 
hadn't had a regular season Atlantic 10 uh, championship in the history of the program. So, you know, we'll win, you know, and that was our aim. That was our target. Um, obviously, you need reminders in, in, in basketball. There's uh, so many things, especially in today's game. Now you have NIL, you have the portal, you have these guys, obviously, and rightfully so, trying to get to the NBA. With the amount of money those guys are making as quickly as possible. You just, you, you really got to turn from September uh, through to when the season ends into the, the wee season. You know, because you know that the me season is coming very soon. It really hits you as soon as you've played your last game where it become, it goes from we to me. Um, so we try to make it like this we target on the mission of the group because you know that the, the me part is coming with guys going to the NBA, guys understanding their value uh, with NIL, having the freedom to go wherever they want in the portal. You know the me season's coming, so during the season you want it we, we, we and focused on winning something. Coach, we brought Zach a microphone back. Yes. <laughs> Zach was in your post. Dan, what, what has Adama meant in this, as you guys have built this program up to you to you guys, especially what he's done this tournament while he's been fasting? Yeah, um, he, he, he leads by example. Obviously, the production and performance gives confidence to the group. And in, and in bigger than that, I think when he came into the program, our culture was still a little bit, um, it wasn't fully formed in terms of a work ethic. Um, people in the gym, like there wasn't a seriousness to what what our program was all about. We were still, you know, trying to, you know, again, you couldn't turn the roster the way you can now and quickly, you know, turn the page and get in the mix. So we were, you know, still trying to, to build a mentality. And, and uh, I just think him and Andre Jackson coming into the program increased a level of like seriousness and work ethic because these guys... You know, they, they, they live in the gym. On the right side, two seats in. That's for you. Dan, Joe's own uh, Channel 3 Hartford. You've done both. So what's harder, building a program from scratch or rebuilding a legacy program? Oof. Oh, they're equally tough. Because um, I, I think when you're, when you're rebuild or when you're, when you're building – or, or rebuild, whatever it is, at like a Wagner or a Rhode Island, um, and you're playing in the Atlantic Ten, you're, you're you probably don't have the same like cachet as like a VCU uh, or, or a Dayton in terms of the branding. Um, and even back then, my first couple of years in the Atlantic Ten, Temple was still in there, Xavier Butler. Um, so you're not necessarily getting everyone's best shot. You're not the game that's circled on the calendar. So you could kind of sneak up on people a little bit. You know, when you coach UConn, uh, you, you don't get to sneak up on anybody. You get everyone's best shot. Um, you know, and then you don't get the same level of patience from, you know, not, not folks like you, Joe. You got tremendous patience. But, you know, the media, the fan base, um, you know, it, it's – you get everyone's best shot. And then there's a lot of external that 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 – the players, your concern with your players in terms of how they're going to handle the criticism, the critiques on the way back up the mountain. There's, it's not linear, you know. There's, there's setbacks, and you know, in a place like UConn, you got to be mentally tough, and you have to have the stomach for it as a player or as a coach. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. 
For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says Start a Subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Good morning, Coach Dutcher. We'd like to get an opening statement from you, and then we'll open things up to questions. Just over-the-top excited to be playing for the national championship. Uh, Like most of the teams in the tournament, everybody puts in hard work, but sometimes you just hit your rhythm, you find a way to win games, and that's what we've done. And we're proud of our group, proud to represent San Diego State on the biggest stage Monday night in the national championship game. We're going to start on the left side. Let's go with Dana and then Aaron after Dana. Uh, Dana O'Neill at the Athletic Dutch. When you been, you know, kind of came to San Diego State when, when, and Steve came along, how much work needed to be done? <laughs> you know, uh, we opened up the Ahas Arena, brand new arena. That was a huge difference maker. You know, they had been playing in Peterson Gym or the downtown sports arena. And to have uh, a facility on campus arena, uh, we could draw to that. It was something we could convince recruits to come to you know the city of san diego our university are great but they had no facility and now we had a facility and then you know thanks to i'll bring his name up john moores you know helped build us our athletic administration building tony Gwynn stadium he kind of put the seed money into san diego state he saw something there he wanted to help and he helped us with facilities and once you have facilities to draw to you have a chance up front on the left side, Aaron. Yep. Brian, Aaron Beard with the Associated Press. You lost some guards from either graduation or transfer since the start of last season. You found a way through the portal to sort of replenish and bolster the roster. I'm kind of curious, with that as an asset you have this year that wasn't there in past years, how did you go about saying, okay, this is what we have, this is what we need, and these are the, guy, the right guys to fit what we need? Yeah, well, we knew we had a lot of pieces coming back. We lost Trey Pulliam, our point guard. So we knew we wanted to add another point guard, and we went in the portal. We found Darian Trammell uh, at Seattle U. He was a California kid. Uh, He'd had a really good year at Seattle U, both scoring-wise, leading their team defensively. And so uh, two weeks ago, after we lost in the first round, we got on a plane. We flew in there, the first one in to see him, took the whole coaching staff and convinced him that San Diego State was a great place to continue his career. We got them, and players make the difference, not coaches. So we added another really good player to a good team coming back, and and he was a huge difference maker for us this year. Coach, we're going to go toward the back to the right of the aisle, East Village Times, right there in the gas lamp quarter in San Diego. Um, Coach, when we spoke to all of your players in the preseason, they all spoke about being here at this moment. It's easy to say that in the summer, in October, um, why did your team have the belief that this was possible? I said it before. I thought the addition of Jaden Ledee was going to be a huge difference maker for us. You know, we knew Darion was going to be good, a new piece. But Jaden, having watched him practice for a full year. And then we had a close scrimmage against UCLA. And I think they got ahead, I don't know, maybe like 20-some points on us in the first half. And we ended up tying it at halftime, like 44 to 45. 
and you're like, wow, this is, you know, we got a really good team. And uh, then it was back and forth in the second half. They beat us maybe in a one-possession game. And so at that point, you know, even that earlier, you're thinking, wow, we might have something really good here. Well, obviously it took Jaden a while to get his feet underneath him. You know, he was trying so hard to have success that he was almost pressing his game. And then you look at the difference he made last night. I mean, he was the guy we went to uh, for two baskets down the stretch. And so the addition of he and Darion, we knew with what we had coming back, gave us a chance to be really good. Staying on the left side, Coach, right of the aisle, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Sweeney, Sports Illustrated. Coach, um, I know you've spoken a lot about how you felt like this was possible from the moment you stepped on campus, but was there a point in, in this rebuilding process over these last, what, 24 years that you felt like things were really turning and that you had gotten the level you needed to be to be competing for championships? I mean, it, this is up for debate. Sometimes your best teams, and, and obviously this is going to go down as the greatest team in San Diego State history, but there are other teams that were equal to this, if not maybe better in some areas. You know, the Kawhi Leonard team with Billy White and Malcolm Thomas, uh, DJ Gay, Chase Tapley, Jamal Franklin. That was an incredible team. We lost to UConn to, and Kemba Walker in the Sweet 16. That team was capable of winning it all. I've talked about the Xavier Thames team with J.J. O'Brien, Skylar Spencer, Dwayne Polee, Josh Davis. That was an elite team that lost in the Sweet 16. And so... Uh, sometimes you just have to have the right matchups, be playing your best basketball, get a break here or there. So we've had, or had other teams I felt were capable over our career to make a run in a Final Four. Coach, we're going to go to the right side of the room, up front, John. Uh, Saturday at West, John Gold. Uh, Coach, was there a moment during the transition from Coach Fisher to, to you where you felt like you finally put your stamp on the program? I mean, that first year, I mean, we struggled as a team, but... We did what all San Diego State's teams seemed to do. We got better as the year went on, and we won the conference tournament. So I felt, you know, really good about that in my first year that we were able to hang a banner. And then, uh, you know, when you replace a guy whose name's on the court, you know, you know how you better win. You better win right away, especially if you have no head coaching on your resume, you know. So as much as I felt good about who I am and how I do things, uh, you have to win in this business to survive. And so, you know, year six, we've held six championship banners, and now we made a Final Four. And so uh, sometimes it's not how you feel you do things. It's how the people that hire you and look at you feel you do things. So uh, I had to have success, and I recruited the kind of players that are very good, and I had a coaching staff that's out of this world good. And so I surrounded myself with good players and good coaches, and good things have happened for me and the Aztec basketball program. Coach, staying on the right side, right in front of us here. Yeah, Dutch, sorry. Um, no matter what happens, uh, Tuesday morning, the core of this group will be gone. And in a special run like this, people want to hold on to the, a sunset like this. But how will you remember these guys specifically, and, and how will that feel come Tuesday? Well, first of all, Bryce, I'm, I'm recruiting right now, too. I'm on the phone recruiting, and I'm not just saying it. I if we have back what we think we're going to have back, I told him in some regards, I think next year's team will be better. Now, whether we make it to a Final Four or have the kind of success we've had, we have a program now. I don't think we're one-hit wonder. We're going to be good every year. I'll remember these guys because they were my original group. Coach Howard remembers his first team. Adam Seiko's spent six years with me. Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle, who were gone, 
spent that first year. They came with me, and then you got Nathan Mensa, Wooka Rope. Uh, they're five-year guys with me on my six years, and so you know they're my first my first real team, and so they've made it through the program, and they've been successful at every level. You know, when I got hired all those years ago with Coach Fisher, Rick Bay, athletic director, you know, he just said, you know, uh, you got to have good students, and then you got to have good citizens, and then you have to have a good team. If you're lacking in any of those areas, you can't feel good about it. If you're winning games with kids that don't graduate and bad kids, no one's going to feel good about that. But if you have kids with good grades and graduating good citizens, you don't win, no one's going to like that either. So we've been able to put a program together, we have all those things. We have really good kids that are really good citizens and are really good basketball players. And that's how you build a program. To the center of the room, Coach. Yeah, uh, Brian here in the center, David Cobb from CBS Sports. Uh, how, how did growing up as the son of a coach mold you and kind of shape you into the coach and person you are today? You know, you're just, you're surrounded by it, like Danny is, you know? He's, a, he's a, got a father that's a legendary coach. And you just grow up around the game. You see how losing hurts. And it's funny, Richard, our sports information director, always asked me, do you want a book after the end of the game? You know, the running play-by-play. And I said, no, Richard, I, I can go back and watch the tape. And I can, I can, I kind of saw what was going on. And I remember my dad, they didn't have tape back then. You couldn't watch the game right away. So he would open that book and go, well, here they are on a 6-0 run. And this is what happened. And this happened. And, you know, it's a whole different era. But it's coaching. And I always say my dad's era of coaches, they were way better coaches than we were because they didn't have all this film and they didn't have all this stuff. We know every play, every team's going to run, we play. You'd go and you'd scout one game and play a team, you'd have no film on them, you'd have no way to know what they were doing, and you had to make real game-time adjustments. Like, what was that? What did they just run? You'd have to recognize it. Right now, to me, game coaching is so much easier than those guys that had to do it way back when and actually recognize what was going on during the course of a game. It's my pleasure to introduce first the all-time winningest college coach across all levels who led Three Rivers Community College for 50 years. He was named the NJCAA Coach of the Year twice and won two national championships, Gene Bess. I, uh... I was honored to stay in the same community for 50 years, and if you understood that, you'd know that was a challenge and probably the greatest um, feat I did in all my coaching. Pretty tough to stay in a little uh, little area for 50 years and you know and really stay there. But I I enjoyed junior college. I uh, felt like that was my um, God-given place to do my job. I found out that I coached almost 500 players uh, during the time that I was there. And, you know, when you are working with 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, you you got a challenge. And... um, I really felt like, you know, that was what I was led to do, and uh, uh, so honored to be here. I have any uh, thoughts about being in the Hall of Fame, but I'm here with a bunch of great guys, and uh, 
uh, I'm just humble and honored to be here. Next up, I'd like to introduce a coach who spent 27 seasons as the head coach of Western Kentucky and 25 at Purdue. He was named the National Coach of the Year six times, Big Ten Coach of the Year seven times. His 512 wins are the most in Boilermaker history. He led Purdue to 17 NCAA tournament appearances, and the hometown street that he grew up in, Larned, Kansas, is named Gene Cady Way. Please welcome Hall of Famer Gene Cady. Thank you, Mark. Sometimes your friends know too much about you, but uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. I'm very honored for this opportunity to speak to you because without people around you, you can't achieve this achievement. It's about, it's about us, not me, and I really appreciate being honored for this. It's the biggest honor I've ever achieved. Second row on the left, Blair. Uh, this is for Gene Cady. Uh, Coach, uh, even though you're from basketball-centric Kansas, basketball... Uh, didn't enter your life the way football did early on. I wonder if you can explain uh, why football was such an important sport for you and then how you transitioned to basketball. Well, I was better at football. And uh, basketball was kind of the king of the state in Kansas. Kansas was good at it. Kansas State was good. Wichita State was good. And most of the junior colleges were good. So uh, you just kind of go along with the flow and uh, – Try to do what's right for yourself to get your degree and uh, your family, and that's why I stayed in basketball. And it's warmer, too, by the way. So uh, it was one of those things where I did it because I loved it, and I was pretty good at it, and I had great people around me. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for putting together today's show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Today's morning sports edition is packed full of Final Four coverage for the men and women baseball news, the weekend in auto racing and golf, and so much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.